0: Welcome to Business Talk Sister Gok. I'm Becca and I'm Ruthie and today we are talking with Tim Van Soos about storage units. Thanks so much for being with us here today.
1: Happy to be here.
0: Your enthusiasm (laughs) is overwhelming. (laughs) Okay so um, our first question for you is what do you do?
1: Uh, That's a good question. I oftentimes ask myself the same thing. Um hey. <laughs> uh, so I've I've owned a number of businesses over the years. Um and uh now in my uh, early forties, um I flip houses, um doing most of the construction work myself. And I also own a couple other businesses. Uh the one I guess we're talking about today is a group of activities that I acquired about four years ago. Uh, and in that business, there are storage units uh, like the mini storage units. And then I have some highway billboard signs, and I also have uh, residential and commercial rentals on this property as well.
2: All right, yeah.
0: So today we just want to talk about the storage units, and just so you guys know, we're going to be talking about uh, next week the billboard side of it because we have a lot of questions about that as well. Um, so because. Tim has so much experience with all these different things. Uh, we'll probably have him back in the future as well to talk about um, what does it look like to ever look into owning a franchise and a bunch of other things that he's done in his life. Quite an interesting person, despite what you may hear of
2: his personality. He's actually a really fun guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he's got so, a fun spelling of his last name. Yeah. It looks like Van Soast. Like toast. Van Toast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So,
0: how did you get started with uh, looking at purchasing your storage units or whatever with that?
1: Yeah. So, I guess at this point in my life, a lot of the businesses, the business opportunities that I look at uh, are somewhat driven by cash flow, uh, what a business is producing. And then, if I see upside in creating additional cash flow inside of that business by improving operations or adding additional revenue lines. Um in this particular case, uh it met a lot of those criteria. It was also close to home. So, and it uh is fairly hands-off. And so from an investment standpoint, it doesn't require a tremendous amount of my time uh, and still provides me a level of cash flow that that helps me live life. Um now I had to do a bunch of things before getting into this business. Uh, to, to raise the required capital to get into a business like this because it is a uh, a business that upfront requires a, a high level of investment to, to get that return over time.
2: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. What did you um, need in order to get started? Did you have a pre-existing uh, building or did you remodel one? Did you build new? What did that look like?
1: Sure, so this was an established facility, so I just bought it. It was really simple. Uh, and it was <laughs> yeah. So, okay. yeah, acquiring businesses is much easier and faster than starting them. Once you have the capital to do it with. So, okay.
0: so how did you decide that it was going to be a profitable investment though?
1: Oh, absolutely. So that all starts with the financial statements and taking time to vet the financial statements. One of the things I love about acquiring an existing business is that you can do that. When you do a startup, there's a lot of, just a ton of question marks. When you're acquiring a business, there's a lot less question marks, but you have to still do your homework in the sense that you have to look at the financial statements. You want to look at at least three or four years of history that the owner has Uh, Including their tax statements, and you really want to spend time digging into those to make sure that they're being honest with you, that everything that they're presenting is true and accurate. And inside of those financial statements, oftentimes you can find windows of opportunity. Is there ways that I can reduce costs? Are there things in this business that I could be doing myself instead of hiring out? Um, Do I have additional uh, contractors and so forth that I know of that will get me uh, a better rate on? making improvements or building additional buildings or uh, maintaining things, snow plowing in this case, all of those things, if I can better negotiate than what the current owner is doing, all those things are areas of opportunities. And those are things that we look for when we start evaluating the business. The other thing I think is patience, uh, waiting for the right opportunity. There's a lot of businesses that come along and that I've evaluated over the years that I don't buy. Uh, I evaluate a lot more of them than I actually purchase because uh, through that evaluation, I'm learning things about the business for free uh, just by taking time to look at what that individual business has done. And I oftentimes decide that this isn't something that is worth my effort. It's not something that's worthy of my investment. Could be different for somebody else, but I guess that. Leads me down the path of having criteria going into it uh, for yourself what are you ex- what are you expecting to earn what's your time worth what is your money worth um, and knowing ahead of time what your criteria are so that you don't fall into something just because it emotionally feels good or you kind of fall in love with the business that's not been my approach uh, never did I fall in love with owning mini storage buildings. That's such uh, an
0: attractive uh, job title though. So
1: (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Mini storage building owner. (laughs) is yeah. Very impressive. When they hear that. (laughs) Yeah, usually. Um, (laughs) If yeah, yeah. That's doesn't usually work that way, but so, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's an it's a um, non-emotional practical evaluation of financial statements. and thankfully, at you know my college education really helped with my ability to analyze financial statements. I feel I went to school to be an accountant, and so I'm familiar with looking at tax returns from that experience, and that's only grown through the years. Yeah.
2: so when you said that you had to look at those financial statements and stuff like that, did the previous owner provide you with that? Or was that all just you kind of doing some data mining and having to look on um, public resources for that information?
1: No, in in this case, so I've definitely found public resources to be helpful at times. And in, um, to research, for example, what, what should the standard, what should my expectations be around occupancy rate for storage units? There's all kinds of data about those types of things. So for example, one of the things that I did uh, before buying the business, was I um, subscribed for free uh, to, <laughs> uh, to, there's a national storage, mini storage uh, association that publishes a magazine and they'll send it to you for free. A lot of uh, business resources like that will send you these magazines for free and you can research just by reading articles in those and, and kind of get to know the business before you actually uh, acquire it or look at acquiring it so if you have an area of interest those resources can be really helpful and at little to no cost Uh, but in this case yeah the the owner who was trying to sell the property just provided their financial statements directly to me and that's pretty typical that uh, they would have that information available if they're running uh, i would say clean uh, financial set of books already. Not all businesses are going to be that way. And so in those cases, you'd have to do a lot more digging, but you should get a much better value on the business when an existing owner doesn't have clean financials to look at because you're making a lot more assumptions. In this case for this business, I had very good financials and I was able to rely on those heavily as I evaluated the business.
0: Yeah. Well, that's even a good tip in terms of if you're ever looking to sell a business or even whatever in the future, like you should have good financials if you're going to get your money's worth out of it at the end or whatever too, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. So I have worked with a lot of business owners over the years, especially in the franchise space, franchise restaurant space, uh, in terms of how do I price my business when I'm going to sell it. And more often than not, I run into business owners who don't keep clean financials. And it really hurts them in the long run. They might be trying to play some games around hum, how much they pay in taxes. They might want to under-report their income and over-report their expenses to the IRS and have this going on for years where they think they're saving all kinds of money. And, and they are in, in those moments. But I, I tell them for at least three years before you want to sell your business, you have to clean up your financial books because somebody coming in is gonna pay a lot more for a business that's producing $100,000 in in cash flow than one that looks like it's producing $25,000 in cash flow. So I find great, great benefit in the long run in just being honest with your books, keeping them clean. And uh, my accountant always said, hey, it's a good thing when you're paying income taxes because it means you're making money.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So how did, how much did location play into um, like the storage unit aspect of, Hey, I'm thinking about, even if someone was going to like build new or remodel a space to use it as a storage unit, how strategic do you need to be with
1: location? At least in the area that, that we live in, in Northern Minnesota, uh, location um, isn't so important as in a Metro area for this business. People will drive a longer distance uh, to get to a facility just because transportation is so easily accomplished here. If it's 15 miles away, it means it's like 15 minutes away. So that's not as much of a barrier.
0: Okay. Yeah. So in um, this business, do you think that if you were to scale or anything would employees be valuable to this type of business or is it not necessarily that essential?
1: It's not essential. It all depends on how much time I want to spend in the business. So just like any property, there's a lot of things to take care of. Uh, Right now, I do those things. Um, But it would be um, advantageous if I wanted to pursue um, other things that were taking up more of my time and or say things that didn't allow me the flexibility to meet somebody to rent a storage unit at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday when it's convenient for them. Then I think I'd want to have an employee on board to take care of some of those things for me, and that would become more important as a business like this would would scale up. So for me, I've only have about 60 individual units, which is actually on the smaller side. I know there's some local operators that have 300, 400 units with multiple uh, physical locations that are you know, 10, 15, 20 miles apart from each other. And usually those guys are employing a full-time employee or a couple full-time employees to manage uh, all the ins and outs and the cleaning and snow plowing and all those kinds of things.
0: Okay. So which is easier? Um, house rentals or storage rentals?
1: Oh, storage rentals. Way <laughs> easier than residential <laughs> what do you rentals. you like more? <laughs> Um, yeah, I would take the storage business any day over residential oh. rentals. Yeah.
0: How do you keep um, from getting burned? I mean, like we look, there's like storage wars where people bid on getting someone's stuff that they didn't pay rental fee for or whatever, and they left all their junk there or whatever. How do you keep from having that happen to you?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, that happens uh, a couple of times a year to me. Uh, where somebody will stop paying rent and kind of abandon their property and then it gets auctioned off and usually my return on that is far into the negative because of the required uh, legal notices that have to take place so you gotta advertise in the paper you've got to send certified letters and by that time they already owe you for five six months of rent so um, Minimizing that uh, is making sure to track who's paying and who's not. Um, Having a a good record keeping system of uh, payments and invoices. So I use QuickBooks for that. It's pretty straightforward and simple. Uh, If I was have had a bigger facility, there's some specialized solutions that the industry offers that software specifically designed for this business. But for me, QuickBooks works okay. It allows me to keep on top of it. Once somebody falls behind, I'm making phone calls and sending letters to try to get them back uh, on board. I'm offering them flexible payment arrangements, trying to keep them current. And if they do fall too far behind, then it's just all about being on top of uh, taking care of the legal steps in order and in a timely manner to try to minimize the loss. Mm-hmm.
2: So how do you go about, um, like, what is your process for allowing people to apply to have um, one of your storage units?
1: Sure, it's really simple. They just have to call, text or email me and I will rent to them.
0: Uh, <laughs> but do you require down like payment or anything?
1: We don't have like the criteria that a residential rental unit would have where there's a background check and a credit check or whatever. None of that takes place uh, for me in the storage uh, rental game. Part of that is because the window for foreclosure is very short when it comes to this business. The legal foreclosure process can start taking place uh, as soon as they're three months behind. So, the eviction process in residential rentals is much more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. And you're also talking about a bigger uh, portion of your income coming from that one person. So a residential rental is going to go for what, 500 to a thousand dollars, maybe more a month. My business is split up over 60 different customers and each person is paying me somewhere between 40 and a hundred dollars a month. And so my risk is really spread out among a much broader base of people, which allows us to kind of approach renting in a different manner.
0: Mm, Okay. So, what would you recommend someone who's starting out to do or things to avoid?
1: Uh, That wants to start a new mini storage business. Is that your question? Yeah.
0: Like getting into this specific kind of business.
1: Sure. I think um, building new facilities today with the current price around materials, especially steel and concrete can make the entry point to these a little bit difficult unless you're coming in with a fairly large down payment where you have to, where you're not going to be required to finance a large portion of this so that you can um, weather a little bit better, uh, the ups and downs, especially early on as you're trying to fill them. That you don't have a large payment in your way that you may or may not be able to make because ramping these up does take time. It's one advantage to buying an existing one, is I was, you know, when I bought these, I was already at a like a 95% occupancy rate. So I had cash flow on day one. But if you're building a new building at a new site, that cash flow is going to start at 0% occupancy, because on the first day you open, you're not going to have any tenants and you have to ramp that up over time which could take several years to get there and so um you really if you're going to start a new one you really have to be prepared to weather that early cash flow challenge Mm -hmm. and then um uh, you know be ready for economic events that might cause people to move out in a lot of regards mini storage is a discretionary expense for people it gives them a space to put stuff that maybe they don't want to look at at their house uh, or a boat that maybe doesn't really need to be inside but they'd prefer it to be. So as economic downturns come, we can see a lower occupancy rate and we can definitely see a higher uh, delinquency rate as this is one of the things that people won't pay. So um, if you're going to start new, Uh, I would strongly encourage you to have a good amount of cash flow set aside for those rainy days.
0: Okay, so we have one more question. We'll try to make it short, and then we're going to do the gawk part of our episode where we talk about something stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what free tools or resources would you recommend?
1: So, I mentioned the industry magazines, um, and that would span beyond just this. Specific business, um, yeah, I, I'm not big into free resources. Um, I'm I'm kind of big into working hard um, and 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 utilizing knowledge. But I would say using your network of people is is probably been one of the biggest things for me is to get to know experts. Um, Through people that you know so that can take place in person um, which is probably the most effective or you can obviously utilize things like LinkedIn Uh, but if you want to know about a business start figuring out um, who that you know that knows somebody that has one of those businesses and in um, in our current state of uh, internet and how uh How easy it is to to find out things about people, start looking around If you want to know about uh, storage buildings, start looking for who owns them and figure out from property records who owns storage units around me or if you're afraid that it's going to be uh, they're not going to share things with you because it's competitive, well, look two hundred miles away to where maybe you have a relative that and say, Hey, I found out that Joe Johnson owns the storage unit in your town. Do you happen to know him? Or do you know somebody that knows him so that you could start having those connections and then go out there, have lunch with the guy, see what he can tell you about the business.
0: So basically like Facebook stock stocking, but with government property records
1: yeah that that definitely works it's amazing <laughs>
2: essentially and with more noble intentions i guess <laughs> yeah
0: okay so um what we want to talk about today we have a question for you and i know we didn't send you this in advance so um uh, but what's the coolest thing you've ever found in a storage unit like after people have left or what's the most interesting oh this is really weird or whatever
1: sure so uh, i'm going to talk about two things one i found um, on the ground outside of the storage unit that somebody had left was a five-gallon pail of boiled eggs.
0: <laughs> like Doomsday
2: Prepper.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm like, "What do I do with this five-gallon pail of boiled eggs?" And at first, I didn't like. I saw the label, and I didn't like really believe that that was what was in there. <laughs> And then, so I opened it, and that happened to be a really big mistake because it really smelled bad.
2: Bad. So, what did you do with it?
1: Well, I just someone? threw. I just threw the eggs out in the woods, hoping that some animal would come and eat them. <laughs> oh
0: man. Okay. What was the other one?
1: Okay, the other one. Um, so when <laughs> when uh, when a unit is foreclosed on, um, I'm not allowed to enter the unit. I I. Op- I open it uh take pictures and then it gets posted for auction. So and then whoever wins the auction is who actually gets to go inside and collect their belongings. Mm-hmm. Um in this case a guy won a storage unit for $40 at auction and they're responsible for coming and cleaning it out. And I the guy who had it I could not get a hold of him. He never responded to any of my letters. He um I his phone was disconnected. Like I could not get a hold of this guy, and so it ended up being auctioned off because he didn't stop paying. And um, it, <laughs> the guy who cleaned out the unit came up to me afterwards. He goes, "I think I know why you couldn't find the guy." And he had a um, state of Wisconsin inmate badge from the state prison system that he had found uh, with this guy's name on it. So.
0: Oh, <laughs> like, like he was ru- on the run.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. That was kind of our interpretation since he left his prison badge behind.
2: Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, boiled eggs and
2: prison badges
0: <laughs> on the lamb convicts. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we are really excited about talking about next time um, billboards, Uh, And thanks guys for joining us as well. Uh, We'll see you next week.